Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020, a balmy late winter night. Rainy weather has been part of life here for two years, so the night did not particularly stand out until roughly 1.30 a.m. Good morning. It is uh, 1.34. There has been significant tornado damage in Nashville over the last uh, hour or so. Worst of the uh, weather right now is between Gentry and Buffalo Valley, approaching Silver Point, Boma. And now this has been upgraded. This has now been upgraded to a tornado warning right along I-40, stretching from Bloomington Springs down into the Sun Valley area, Rolling Meadows, Blackburn Hills Estates. This is the area that we're talking about, so this is on the east. It's down in, in multiple locations uh, this morning, sometime short of 2 a.m., uh, the hardest hit area seems to be Highway 70, Highway 70 West from around the old drive-in Echo Valley Market area west down towards Highway 56. And I could hear this noise, and it, and it really, it, I can't emphasize enough, it sounded just like a train. Lots and lots of debris, and as I get closer to the intersection up here with 70, it just gets worse. There are homes that are completely down. When I got in there, you can only go so far, and then there's just, it looked like a bomb just went off. There's trees just folded over the roads. The saddest thing is to see a bunch of ambulances drive by, mm-hmm. um, headed towards Hensley Court. My best friend lives there. It looked like a bomb just went off. There's trees just folded over the roads. We didn't get much with nothing, but like, I don't know, 50 feet down the street, it, it's gone. She crawled underneath her bed just in time before the house exploded. He had a wall come down on top of him. Many, many emergency vehicles, it's, it's astounding how fast they mobilized them, and they checked on us immediately. All of all these hallways are lined with beds, and there are people being treated. They've called in all nurses and doctors. Say a prayer for Cooper and people of Baxter in this area, please, because... The devastation, I, I, I've been a police officer and a first responder, and it's amazing, guys. That's all I can say. The most powerful tornado to touch down in Middle Tennessee since 2009. And it rode right along Highway 70 from Baxter to Cookville. 18 people lost their lives. More than 100 structures completely destroyed. A county changed forever. As the days after unfolded, we met people with powerful stories, from the depths of despair to the power of the heart. Welcome to People, Stories from a Tragedy. An EF-0 tornado touched down near Club Springs Road just north of the Caney Fork River. It then moved east-northeast across hilly terrain. Several homes were impacted as it moved into Putnam County. Then the storm moved into the Baxter area, where it produced an EF-0 storm for about two and a half miles as it crossed the Gainesboro Highway. The tornado intensified as an EF-1 and EF-2 in the Prosperity Point subdivision just north of US 70 North. Then, it intensified to an EF-3 as it crossed Bloomington Road and Clemens Road, severely damaging several homes. The National Weather Service found that the tornado became violent as it entered the area around McBroom Chapel Road, where it reached EF-4 intensity, completely destroying over a dozen homes and causing numerous fatalities. The heaviest damage was concentrated on Hensley Drive. EF-4 damage continued eastward to Echo Valley Drive, where an apartment complex was completely destroyed. The tornado lessened in intensity as it moved along 70 towards Broad Street for about two miles, and then rapidly came to an end near North Franklin Avenue, just west of Cookville Regional Medical Center. All told, 8.21 miles some 500 yards in width, wind speeds 175 miles per hour. Devastation, uh, just complete and utter devastation. You heard it said it looks like a war zone. That's exactly what it looked like. Cookville Mayor Ricky Shelton surveyed the damage from the air. 
Tuesday. To put it even more in perspective, when uh, when you see something like that and, and you realize the, the death and loss of life of, of, of families and family members and um, our citizens, um, it's just um, it's just really 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 bad. It was probably a quarter mile wide, and as you said, where it started, and, and you know, it does go from about Delmonico, and and then you know, unfortunately, it was you know residential neighborhoods in the middle of the night when people were sleeping, and and um, there was some businesses damaged or destroyed as well, and then it went all the way up, you know. The, the city limits is that about at the Upper Cumberland um, Electric Office, and, and you know the roof of that building's gone, and on and on and on all the way into Cookville. And then we, when we flew earlier and landed at the hospital, over in the parking lot was a ten by twelve piece sheet of metal off of a roof with two by four still attached to it. So that's five miles away. So you know the the, the force of this of this storm. Uh, that came through and carried the debris. The debris field is multiple miles, but the the, the main destruction was about a quarter mile wide by probably, uh, I'm, I'm going to guess, three to four miles long. Baxter Mayor John Martin. I've never saw anything like it. You know, when we went to uh, the Double Springs and, and saw and just drove around some, uh, just never saw anything like it. Uh, just the people that was not affected by it, uh, God was with us. You know, that's all we can say. Martin remembers the 1974 tornado outbreak in Putnam County, considered to be the worst in the community's history. This is much, much worse. I mean, I've never, like I said, I've never in my life saw anything like this. I mean, it's just like a bomb went off. And uh, I know that uh, I talked to Chief Holmes this morning. I mean, he was out uh, about all night. Just, uh, just wet, you know, from the rains and everything, and and he just could not believe everything that was uh, that he saw. And as the search for survivors continued all day Tuesday, the Upper Cumberland poured out its heart. That came to a head Tuesday night on the courthouse steps. Alex Lissick of Life Church. I saw hope in the faces of our medical staffs who worked and worked and worked to try to make sure that people were okay. They provided safe places for people to sometimes get the most devastating news of all, and yet there was hope. Scott McKinney of First Baptist Church. Or there are truly medical people and servicemen and women all around this community who have seen things today, God, that have really hurt them emotionally and they're struggling. I pray, God, for your touch upon their life, that you would encourage and strengthen them and love them. I can tell you we are resilient and we will get through this together. Uh, we have a, a thing here, there's only one Cookville, and there is only one Cookville, and we will get through this together. Wednesday morning, volunteers hit the ground. County Mayor Randy Porter. This has been the largest natural disaster in Putnam County's modern-day history that we know of when it comes to the loss of life. Uh, as Mayor Shelton said, we continue to ask for prayers for the families that have been affected by this. We live in a great community, and uh, we all know we're going to recover. Cookville Mayor Ricky Shelton said he left Tuesday proud of first responders and everyone who served the community in the hours after the tragedy. I don't think any amount of, uh, of preparation can um, actually um, equate to what has happened here today. Uh, this is on a level that is um, that unlike anything that w most have ever seen. So, uh, you know, again, the infrastructure as far as the, the cell towers and, and the communication part and and just the, the ability to uh, make sure that things are, are categorized correctly and, and communicated. We, we met one woman who was especially thankful for the volunteers that showed up at her house Wednesday, but more thankful for someone who showed up at her house Tuesday morning. It don't seem real. But it's very real. And Zella Pippen has a lot to be thankful for today. I, was, uh, I had went to bed and I was reading. 
and it kept uh, all later it started that flash lightning. A few minutes later, an F3 tornado began ripping the 77-year-old's house apart. She fell at one point, unable to move or get up. But it was her neighbor, Rodney Mathis, who stepped in from there. And I was hollering, I could hear him holler, Zella, Zella, I was screaming, come and get me, <laughs> I can't get up. And he come, and bless his heart, he put my shoes on and tied them, and he tried to put on the hands, but I was in shock, I guess. And then he raised, you know, he got around my waist, and he said, come on, we got to get out of here. And there was glass in my, in my bedroom floor, pictures blowing off of my window. Mathis now being held a hero by Zella's daughter, Penny Johnson, who traveled from Jacksonville, Florida today. And he goes, I don't know how I made it through the house. He said, I just knew I had to in the dark, in the middle of the night, in the storm, and pulled her out, and she's fine. The home, not so much. Total destruction, but Johnson says that's okay, because a home can be replaced. She's just grateful for folks like Rodney and a whole bunch of volunteers who showed up today. When you get the phone call, I was so glad my mom was okay. I was like, oh, it's a house, it's fine, uh, and didn't get teary until I got here today and saw the people. I mean, there were football players and basketball players, high school kids and neighborhood. I, I have no idea where everyone came from, but it's amazing. They're cleaning and clearing and doing everything they can. It's absolutely amazing. This community is absolutely amazing. Chase McMillan and his landscaping crew make up that absolutely amazing community. They put schedules aside today and found themselves in the Highway 70 corridor, helping folks like Zella Pippen. I mean, you know, it was crazy, my guys. I just, I didn't know how many people were going to be out here. We had kind of gone to a job that we were just doing for somebody, and all my guys looked at me and said, we don't want to work, we want to help. And it just kind of sets you back. You just, you don't think that from people. You know, people are, a lot of people are about money, and, and money doesn't matter. You know, things don't matter. Family and friends matter. You can't replace that. And so it just, I don't know, it's a great thing, everybody wanting to help and just taking their time. Among those volunteering, Tennessee Tech students. No classes Tuesday or Wednesday. Tech President Philip Oldham expressed just how proud he was of Tech's commitment to Putnam County. There was probably well over a thousand of you students out volunteering and assisting in every way that you could find. Uh, that's, that's what Living Wings Up is all about. Double Springs Church of Christ served as a central hub for the first responders working along the Highway 70 corridor. Sandy Brewington of Cookville volunteered her time to make sure exhausted workers had someone to talk to. So many of our church members and volunteers, people we've never met before, have instantly become family. Um, and uh, we're tired, but we're, we're all still strong, uh, still going, um, and just uh, happy to do what we can do to help. There are some volunteers in a situation like this who know what to expect. Ken Hall runs the Monterey Lions Club Disaster Team. He was on the road down Interstate 40 from Monterey within minutes of the storm hitting. The urgency when it's in your own uh, area and it's people that you know and love uh, makes it that, that much more worse. Ken, when you got out there yesterday and started working through the debris fill and everything, how does this compare to the other things that you face across the nation? <clears throat> Well, Larry, I, I, I tease and, and tell people that every time we go to a disaster, I, I end up saying, this is the worst I've ever seen. And uh, I caught myself uh, saying that yesterday morning when the sun finally came up. Uh, it's one of the worst I've ever seen. Uh, we were standing on a, on a hill at the end of a street. Uh, every house along the street was, was ruined, and I was talking to a resident telling them that I used to be a lifeguard at, at Echo Valley. Uh, how far is Echo Valley from where we are right now? And uh, the resident pointed down the hill and said, there it is. And that's when it hit me because uh, that whole complex, Echo Valley pool, market, apartments, uh, were gone. Uh, when you are dealing in this kind of work, how do you keep your emotions in check? 
they uh, I guess it's adrenaline. Um, you just you're focused on on what you're doing. Uh, you don't really have time to think about it. Uh, it it hits uh, that evening when you get home or or the or the next day. Uh, the the emotions come to the surface, and you know you wonder how first responders deal with with what they see and what they do. And I guess it's the bo- the body just the body and the mind keeps you focused and, and won't let emotions come into it till later. Uh, defense mechanism i guess when did you know you needed to you know i remember talking with larry yesterday morning um early i mean four o'clock in the morning and you were on the line with larry as well i mean it seems like you all made the decision to get down there pretty quickly can you kind of go through that process as all this was happening tuesday morning well, of course, our uh, weather alert alarm here in Monterey went off and uh, had had been going off all night, so we weren't in a heavy sleep. And we got up and went down in the in the basement into our, our storm shelter area and uh, turned the television upstairs up real loud so I could hear what was going on. And uh, I knew that that Baxter, uh, well, I knew that Lebanon, Mount Juliet, and then Baxter and Cookville had been hit. So as soon as they said the storm had cleared Monterey, uh, my wife and I uh, got the truck hooked to the trailer and, and started toward Baxter. Um, we, you know, we're, we're not really qualified to search for injured people and, and things like that. But what we are qualified to do is use a chainsaw. And that's what we intended to do, and that's what we did. We were able to help. Uh, clear roads so ambulances and, and other equipment could come in. And so we did, we left here, got there really, really quickly, and uh, were able to help in that way. Ken Hall of the Monterey Lions Club is uh, with us this morning. They are a uh, dis- uh, have a dispatch team. They go all across the United States when we have situations from hurricanes to tornadoes. With that perspective, Ken, and and with uh, hopefully not uh, a bias towards our community, can you put into perspective what you saw in terms of the organization of the reaction from officials yesterday? Oh, sure. Uh, The first thing I want to say is that the reason it's called a disaster is because it is a disaster. And all the planning in the world, if you planned every day and practiced every day, when a disaster hits, there is something that's not going to run smoothly and not run according to your plan. And we have found that in every disaster we've ever been to. Uh, more Oklahoma. You know, uh, I've often teased and said, I don't know how there's a tree left standing in Oklahoma because there's storms through there, it seems like, almost monthly. They, you would think, would be the most prepared area of the country for such a thing. I have We've been up there, I think, four times in the last 13 years. They are very organized, as, as much as you can be. What I saw yesterday in Putnam County was equal to more Oklahoma, um, the different agencies coming together. Uh, there was no turf battles over who's going to do this, who's going to do that. It ran very smoothly. Um, there, I'm sure were some hitches that, that I don't know about, but I'm sure there were, and if there wasn't, there will be. But your emergency management, uh, your law enforcement, your, your uh, ambulance services, everything worked together, got in there, got it done, and bless their hearts, they're still out there doing it. So I don't think the people of Putnam County need to be worried about the response and and uh, capabilities and professionalism uh, because it's, it's here in this county. Talk about why you do this as far as responding to disaster response um, situations. Um, you know, the Lions Club is a huge part of the Monterey community. You all could do anything. You could clean streets. Um, you could donate time in other ways. But why disaster response? Is this something that's in your background or what? It, uh, 
Well, I, I retired as a policeman. That's what I did as a profession. And um, when I retired, it seemed like I was missing something. Um, I just couldn't seem to get really deeply involved in anything. Was, you know, I've, I've often wondered, was it the adrenaline rush I missed or, or what? But I think the whole reason I became a cop was to help people. And then once I retired, that same pull pulled me into this. And fortunately, I found other old guys that had the same mentality, and we were able excuse me, we were able to band together and form this organization, and uh, it's lasted 13 years now. I think uh, I've lost count, but I think this disaster in Cookville was our 68th response to a disaster. So uh, as long as our bodies hold up, and, of course, we're all over 65 now, uh, we won't be able to do this forever, but... We've talked, and, and all of us uh, feel that we're going to do it till we no longer can. Ken Hall with the Monterey Lions Club. We can't thank you enough for the work that you do. Among those that died Tuesday morning, two students from the Putnam County School System. Interim Director of Schools Corby King called Tuesday the most difficult day in his 21 years working with the school system. So we have two students uh, that lost their life yesterday in this uh, outbreak. Uh, a pre-K student at Cane Creek and an 8th grade student at uh, Upperman Middle School. Uh, and then we also have uh, uh, some teachers uh that are, well, we also have three students that are at the hospital uh, still getting treatment. And then we have uh, some, a couple of former teachers uh, that uh, lost their life yesterday from what's been reported. And uh, these were people that had, had been in our system and they still have friends that teach in the system but had chosen to uh, move into other endeavors uh, but, but still had close ties with our school system. And then we have many teachers, staff students, staff members and students that lost their homes, uh, either completely uh, total devastation or uh, partial damage to their homes. Uh, it's kind of tough to hold it together at times, and I know for our staff, we've got people that are hurting, and that is really difficult. But I, I do want to talk about the good things that our staff is, you know, they're, they're, we have so many volunteers, not just in our community, but our teachers, our principals. Uh, our district administrators, uh, our bus drivers, our food service workers. I mean, everyone's just reaching out wanting to help. What can we do to help? Uh, we had a team of counselors and social workers that worked with the health department yesterday and spent uh, several hours uh, at, at Church on the Hill with families who had lost uh, uh, loved ones. Uh, we had... Uh, principals and district administrators working yesterday to, to kind of start organizing, get our group together, and they're working today uh, to organize teams. Uh, we want to focus right now, rapidly from the school system, on, on helping our people, our students and teachers that have lost homes uh, or have partial damage. Just the amount of devastation and loss with our school system, uh, it, it's just it's unimaginable, uh, and there's not really a, any way to describe it. Uh, it's very difficult. Uh, but we have a very giving community and a very, uh, the leaders uh, from both the county mayor, the city mayor, the sheriff, the chief of police, uh, the fire department, the rescue, uh, 911, EMS. We are so blessed in our community. Uh, so the EOC was activated yesterday morning. I know you've kind of been following those updates. Um, I think it was around 4.30 yesterday morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, it, and the school system is a part of that group. We're part of the emergency planning group. So I got the activation notice uh, when that went out yesterday morning and reported to the EOC. And uh, we had members of the community, all, you know, that, that were there. Uh, when I got there, we started meeting uh, uh, shortly after that. And yesterday was just really the search rescue moving through. And what we're working on in the school system is uh, identifying students, families, teachers, staff members that this uh, tragedy has affected. A county commissioner from Putnam County's 9th District began cleaning up soon after the tornado struck. Commissioner Jimmy Neal says he remains in shock. All day yesterday, our mind was not 
it was taken away because we had a ton of volunteers that came down from the Upperman High School, a lot of the football team. My son's on the team down there. and They came over, and we had people showing up with chainsaws and and today it's been it's been a lot of the same. Not as many people showed up today because they were requesting no volunteers, so everybody's kind of waiting till tomorrow. But we've been out still trying to pick up pictures. So far in the yard, I have found birth certificates, ultrasounds, baby pictures, wedding pictures, all this stuff from people who we we didn't know. But doing some investigation with the neighbors. We think we found uh, we found the owner of some of that stuff anyway. So it's been uh, it's been surreal, and uh, to be honest with you, we're still in shock. We uh, we can't be in the house because uh, we took the power pole, and uh, we're in a hotel. We've been there. We're probably going to be there. They said upward of two weeks. So it's just. Uh, it's just crazy, and went out today with uh, law enforcement and surveyed some of the damage up in the Double Springs area, and uh, it's just words can't describe it. Rafferty pictures can't describe it. Don't if you haven't seen it, it's it's just unbelievable. It's it just breaks your heart. Commissioner, what what can you mention? You touched on it, the volunteers who who showed up at your house yesterday. Um, but beyond that, the, the leadership on a local level from County Mayor Porter and uh, Mayor Shelton and the emergency personnel who have been at the EOC Center um, just just trying to organize this recovery effort. What what can you say about about that process and just well, the response? In, in my opinion, the, the response from the volunteers, it's been unbelievable. The the local leadership, you can tell that Mayor Porter has a background in emergency services with the way he handles devastation, crisis like this. And uh, Mayor Shelton, he's done a phenomenal job. He, he's had all the resources that Cookville City can provide all the way from not only in the city but down in the county, wherever wherever they need to be deployed. And uh, police officers, we see them everywhere, the highway patrol. And uh, I can't brag enough about the sheriff's department. So proud of them. They are, they are so courteous and they have uh, so much compassion about what's happening. And you can see it in their face that it's taking a toll on a lot of them because some folks have seen a lot. Mm-hmm. They've seen a, they've seen a lot more than anybody wants to see. I can just promise you that. I've I've been there. I've been in that role. I was in Macon County, still working as a troop lieutenant when the tornado came through up there, and it was. Uh, it, I know how hard that was. It takes some time to recover, and it's going to take these guys some time to recover. So all those people on the on that first line of uh, first responders from the volunteers, the rescue squad, the fire department, we're proud of all of them, this community, the volunteers. We, we were out here, neighbors were bringing us food. They were taking other neighbors' food. They were coming around the churches, were feeding people, making sure everybody had what they need. It's just, uh, it makes me proud to be from Putnam County. And uh, we have a uh, we have such great compassion for our fellow our fellow neighbors down here. The work of government leaders began with Sheriff Eddie Ferris, Cookville Mayor Ricky Shelton, and County Mayor Randy Porter. It went all the way to the governor. Bill Lee was on the ground in Cookville Tuesday to assess the damage. It truly, is a disaster. It's been absolutely heartbreaking uh, to see and to see it firsthand as I have. I've been on the ground in multiple places and right there in uh, Putnam County and talked to victims and families and walked through the neighborhoods there. It's heartbreaking. Uh, And people's lives have been changed in an instant. But it is also very encouraging to see the way response has been handled. both from the governmental side and the official side, but also from the people of Tennessee side. So 
we've had uh, a call from the president and and conversations back and forth with FEMA. We've had a very coordinated effort between state and local officials, and, as well as the federal government. Uh, I've been very impressed with the way FEMA um, reacted immediately when the storm hit and the processes that, that have taken place ever since. There's been a very strong, coordinated effort uh, that's been impressive. And, you know, needs are being met, shelters are there, roads are being cleared, security is there. And as I've said, government can do a lot of the needs meetings, but hope, hope is what people need in the midst of this hopelessness. And and, and certainly God provides hope through the hands and feet and hearts of people that serve their neighbors. So that's been inspiring as well. But I'm I'm very encouraged with the response. As heartbreaking as this has been, Tennesseans are what are doing what Tennesseans always do, and that's uh, respond. I'm sure then that it doesn't surprise you at all that uh, so many volunteers showing up. Uh, the, the, just a little earlier this afternoon, they had to issue a call for no more volunteers. Yeah, that's uh, incredible, isn't it? <laughs> we are uh, we are certainly a volunteer state. It shows in a time like this. I I really think. Uh, in the hardest of times, the best of people comes out, and we've seen that. When I when I landed yesterday and met with uh, Mayor Shelton and Mayor Porter, uh, and then they traveled with us into into the worst of neighborhoods, we saw people there lined up to help. And this was yesterday morning when we got over there, late morning, and. Uh, it's, it's been a, a, a bright spot of hope in the midst of some real real tragic circumstances. As you get on the ground here in Putnam County yesterday, what's going through your mind as you're starting to see uh, the damage that, that affected this area along Highway 70? You know, um, it was certainly hard to take in. Um, first, we saw it from the air, which is a very unique uh, perspective that I've never had, of course, and and seeing the line of storm damage as it, you know, as you flew over it for several miles, um, and the debris field for those, for that length of, of mileage is a very fascinating perspective, but it was hard to take in the amount of devastation. The number of people standing there uh, with nowhere to go, combing through stuff, trying to find their own personal belongings. One one lady I spoke with, one young lady had identified her neighbor's body, and was looking for another neighbor that was had not been located yet. It, it was just uh, hard to take in, and and the the rubble is rubble, and there's a lot of damage and lost, um, you know, property. But behind every piece of property, there's there's a family or a, a life or a job lost, or, a, you know, it's it's tough to take in. Governor Bill Lee, what prepares you when you are someone who has taken on a job like you have to be the governor of this state? What prepares you to deal with these kinds of situations? Well, you know, um, being prepared as a state prepares you for the situation. So I, I'll, I'll address it two ways. The first is, is just that. You know, the, the day after I came into office, I started asking our teams about um, disaster recovery and emergency preparedness because I knew that it could happen any day as governor, and I wanted to know where we were. So I met with our TEMA officials early on, like within days of, of – uh, coming into office and said, brief me on exactly what's going to happen when we do this or that or the other, or when this happens, I want to know about communications. I want to know about uh, supply lines. And so we have a very strong plan in the state of Tennessee. And that prepares you because you, you wake up in the middle of the night and you hear that tornadoes are ripping through the state and people are dying. And there's a lot of comfort to be able to walk out there certainly heartbroken, but comforted knowing that we know how to respond in this state and we know how to 
meet the needs of people. That prepares you. By being prepared, you're prepared. But also, I think just, you know, recognizing and remembering that that in the midst of tragedy, we have to look for redemption and hope. And, you know, I've been through some personal tragedies myself that required me to uh, that required me to tap into resources of people and and neighbors and uh, the church that uh, to help meet the needs that my family faced at the moment of crisis. When you when you when you experience that, you know it's real, and you know how desperately that's needed in communities. That's that's why I felt prepared to stand before the press yesterday and say, you know, we can meet the needs, but. But but people need hope, and they're going to find it from you out there. Um, I, I experienced that firsthand. I, I'm so grateful we live in a state where people take care of their neighbors and where we see that happening already, uh, right here and right here and in, in your community. House Speaker Cameron Sexton. You know this can be a very long process, and a lot of times, you know, we take a look in the first few days um, or the first week, you know. Uh, there's a lot of action going on, and, and this is going to take months uh, to recover from, maybe even years in some parts. And this is a long um, process that we need to continue to keep on on our forefront. State Representatives Ryan Williams and Paul Bailey went to work trying to make sure that Putnam County had all the resources it needed. We have just been overwhelmed with support from here in the Nashville area all the way back to Cookville, We've had, I've had multiple phone calls from individuals that are actually in Cookville from Knoxville. They're from the Nashville area. We've even had uh, people from out of state that, uh, that are friends of ours that are trying to come to Cookville and assist. And basically, this morning, once uh, we realized that there was such an overwhelming outpour of volunteers coming, I've actually asked several of of the people that have contacted me to wait until maybe Saturday uh, when some of the other volunteers have maybe, um, you know, exhausted themselves and we would have a new supply of volunteers to come in. Uh, Senator Bailey and I have worked with, just in the day today, Amazon uh, has contacted our offices about providing services. The former state representative, Kevin Brooks, of Cleveland, who is also the county mayor or the city mayor of Cleveland now, uh, the churches of God are delivering two truckloads uh, of goods. I know that uh, the Calfies from Rockwood are are delivering uh, stuff there. There are many uh, different entities in Nashville that really want to send their love and support to our communities based on goods and services. But as you know, we have plenty uh, plenty of human capital there to do that. So part of that is just being able to to really organize that, and so we're trusting our locals to be able to do that. Sexton, Bailey, and Williams also got on the phone with Tennessee's congressional delegation, led by Congressman John Rose. The the real initial response is really a a state and local effort, and I think they've done a tremendous job from all all indication uh, that I can see. And, uh, and, you know, I think it's, uh, it's a real... A testament to Tennesseans and the volunteer spirit to, to see the outpouring of support uh, from not only our local first responders, but from neighboring cities and counties that have, have sent their folks here that have not been affected and, and are helping with the local response. Uh, so it is a, it is a state and local response that uh, is, uh, you know, first and foremost. There is a, an important federal element of coordinating uh, to make sure that uh, information and backup resources are available. And, I, and from what I understand, that is happening. All of the local officials have been very positive about the support they're receiving from the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Is that part of your role and that of your staff's role in making sure that this is not termed a Nashville disaster that uh, helping those in Washington who are thousands of miles away understand that uh, this is a separate community this is a community that has its own identity this is a community that's an hour and a half away from Nashville that uh, this is the area that has been impacted at hardest absolutely and and we started making that uh, plea to them early on Tuesday uh, 
you know, as 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 it began to become clear how extensive the damage here and and the extensive loss of life and and uh, you know we're gratified uh, early in the day on Tuesday as we began to hear them tell us that they were looking at Putnam County and Cookville and Mount Juliet in Wilson County and and so when you when they're when they're coming back to you with the locations then you know you've you've gotten that message through but certainly the initial reaction and we could all understand that is that uh, all of the national media you know immediately classified this as a Nashville tornado and and lots of the early images of damage were from uh from the Nashville area and you know we had close into downtown Nashville and so uh, I think we've got that ma- message uh, communicated to the president and to the White House and and so we've we feel good about where we are with respect to that and and obviously our state officials understand um, and it's it's really a, a tragic occurrence for the folks here in Cookville. And so, I, you know, I would just encourage, uh, I know today they're asking for volunteers to stay away to allow time for utilities and uh, utility workers and first responders to complete some of the more dangerous work that needs to be done. And uh, But it was just uh, very gratifying to see the outpouring of volunteers yesterday. And I would just tell people, you know, always uh, money is uh, is a good way to help. And uh, certainly volunteers will be needed uh, in the days and weeks and months ahead as we try to help our community heal. This is People, stories from a tragedy. The right ingredients have to come together in just the right way for tornadoes to develop. Meteorologist Rob Carolyn says those factors came together Monday night across Middle Tennessee. Uh, probably in excess of 175 miles an hour. And I've seen tornado damage in the past, Larry, where brick homes don't exist anymore and grass has been pulled up out of the ground by storms at 300 miles an hour. So uh, tornadoes are the strongest weather phenomenon that affects the surface of the earth. Um, you'll get a hurricane that'll produce you know, winds in excess of 150 miles an hour, but uh, the tornadoes are the ones that can get up over 300 miles an hour, and uh, we had a very potent storm last night uh, work its way uh, through the middle part of the state. Um, the Doppler weather radar out of Nashville last night picked up a tornado and its associated debris ball at about 12.36 a.m. just to the west-northwest of the city of Nashville. Uh, the tornado then crossed uh, the northern side of the city at 12.38, and then it remained on the ground, more or less paralleling the interstate uh, for about 50 miles. Uh, it started to disappear right around Gordonsville out to the east at about 1.33 in the morning. Anytime you see a tornado on the ground for 50 miles, uh, that's the indicative of a very potent storm. What's going on is you've got uh, really good uh, venting aloft, so the air is rushing out of this uh, complex at a really good rate. That produces a partial vacuum at the surface of the earth. That's why the tornado forms. And anytime you get an intense tornado like that with winds of you know, over 170, 75 miles an hour on the ground for 50 miles, we're talking about a really potent storm system. And then to have it put uh, more tornadoes down on the ground once it got to our part of the world and points further to the east, uh, we were dealing with tornado warnings right on into east uh, Tennessee through about 3.30, 4 o'clock this morning, just indicative of a very well-formed cluster of storms. Weather service officials were in Cookville all the way through Friday, verifying data, looking at wind speed, trying to understand the storm's path. Chrissy Hurley is a weather service meteorologist. It's a difficult, long, drawn-out process, and since we don't have equipment that can get inside the tornado to see what the wind speeds are, and our radar is shooting you know, into the clouds, not so much on the ground. We are boots on ground, so we cover a lot of territory. And the best way that we can estimate wind speeds is by what kind of damage has been caused. So we were out uh, yesterday in Cookville. Um, we're out again today and probably will be back tomorrow. And looking at the damage and seeing the quality of construction, what type of homes, businesses, they were and what type of damage would cause it. So related to how much damage it has, it can relate to a wind speed. And that's how we get the EF enhanced Fujita rating. And my understanding is the Fujita rating was based on they went in and 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 went into laboratories and, and yeah. tried to figure out 
what kind of damage would be done by these right in the 1970s after the big you know super outbreak of 1974 dr ted fujita went in and looked at the tornadoes and said you know there's got to be a better way and he created the fujita scale and back in the early 2000s texas tech university and many other uh, meteorologists engineers led an effort to enhance the scale because Let's face it, things are different and built differently than what they were in the 70s. So we've enhanced the scale, you know, more towards today's world. And uh, Texas Tech University has a big wind science engineering program. And, you know, they get to test all kinds of different things. And, and you know, essentially they help us uh, figure out through research, you know, what kind of wind speeds cause certain kinds of damage. Chrissy Hurley from the National Weather Service. It was interesting to me in in going back and rereading the information on the scale. And one of the things that caught my eye this morning was the F4, that no matter how strong the building is, the practice of going to an interior room is not a safeguard to your life. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about violent tornadoes that are – 166 miles per hour or higher, and that's where the EF4 rating starts. Once you get to that, you know, when you're in a a one-story vinyl siding house, it becomes real tough to survive that. And I'm telling you, we talked to so many people who did survive that by doing the right thing. They got in their bathtub. I I spoke to a woman, her family of four got in the bathtub. The bathtub went flying, but they lived and survived and and had minimal injuries. Uh, There was another couple that uh, there's nothing left of their house, but they got in the interior room of the bathroom and survived and had literally no injuries. So, you know, yeah, it, it it is when you look at the damage and you're thinking, man, how did anybody survive that? The ones, the survivors we talked to, they were doing the right thing. I believe there was another woman who uh, put on a motorcycle helmet. And when she was taking cover, and uh, I believe the doctors told her that that is the only way she survived. So it's, it's incredible. It really is. So yesterday you were trying to look at the speed. Uh, mm-hmm. Today you're also trying to assess the path. How do you do that? Well, we have been going down every nook and cranny road uh, in Smith County, uh, crossing over into Putnam County. And we have another team that started off where we couldn't quite finish yesterday. And we're meeting up with them and, uh, you know, just trying to figure out the, the width of the tornado and, and not the whole thing was, you know, EF4. So figuring out, okay, you know, it started off, it's probably EF0, EF1, then ramped up. And uh, that's what we're documenting. So it's a long process. You know, I, I, I hope everybody's patient with us because we want to get the data correct. And, uh, you know, we've even had to rely on some engineers to help us along the way um, with some of the construction and whatnot. Uh, to see if it was, you know, well-built and that. And that's what's so, you know, unique about this one supercell. It just tracked across from Humphreys County along the Tennessee River. Uh, in fact, it started, I think, over in Benton County, across the Tennessee River, over in West Tennessee. And it just tracked all the way through Dixon, went through Cheatham County, put down the tornado, of course, in Davidson County, Nashville Mount Juliet, Lebanon, Gordonsville, and then it finally weakened and then started back up again on the Smith-Putnam County line. And because another storm developed just south of Cookville, it cut off that warm, moist air, and that killed the tornado before it ever got to downtown Cookville. Because let me tell you, that those folks are incredibly lucky. Uh, we we talked in the aftermath, and, and it's hard to say this because you hurt so much for the people on the Highway 70 corridor. Absolutely. But four miles to the east. Oh, yeah. Tennessee Tech, Cookville Regional Hospital. I know. We're right there. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, and, and occurring at night, I mean, that's just, that's what keeps a meteorologist like me up at night, for sure. That is a... Uh, 
that's one of the things where I know it's a very devastating tornado, but in the big picture, the city Cookville really got lucky. Chrissy Hurley, finally, we have said several times during these three days that there's almost more, maybe there is more, that we don't know about tornadoes than we do know. And that has to be a difficult part of the job that you have every day because you can't say for sure this is where the storm is going to develop Absolutely. and warn people. You know, the, you know, we, we probably catch a lot of flack. You know, uh, there's not a day that goes by. I don't hear the joke. I wish I got paid being ha- uh, right half the time. Uh, I think there is. There is no doubt I got into this field. Um, I've been obsessed with the weather since I was four. And a big tornado went through Huntsville, Alabama, an F4 tornado, November 15th, 1989. I was in third grade. And it didn't have a tornado warning. Killed 21 people, injured over 400. And that tornado event impacted nine-year-old Chrissy. And ever since then, I made a promise to myself, I'm going to strive and do everything I can to make sure that we are providing the best possible service, best possible warnings. And you're right. We don't know everything. I mean, that I will be the first to admit. And a lot of times we're as good as the technology, Doppler radar. But, um, you know, it really takes a team effort. And uh, with emergency management, Tyler Smith has been amazing and getting those reports to us in real time so that way we can help warn, you know, people downstream. But I wish I could predict, you know, three, four hours in advance. Um, So I think we just keep getting better and better and better. But we're not great, but we're working on it. The tragedy of Tuesday morning's tornado affected the entire community, especially that area between Cookville and Baxter along Highway 70. The Baxter community is a tight-knit one. It is an area that is proud of its community and its history and proud of its high school. Upperman High School basketball coach Bobby McWilliams was faced with a seemingly impossible task this week, motivating a group of young people to get back to some definition of normal after what they had been through this week and try to play a basketball game. It takes a special person to be able to uh, go through what they went through and then, then try to get out there and um, compete the best they could, but um, you know, when these kids kind of rallied around each other, um, I felt like last night, and obviously their thoughts and their and their hearts were in were in other places. Uh, there's a lot more important things going on, but uh, you know, they um, they did the best they could, and that's that's all I could ask for. Coach McWilliams says many of the students and players found a bit of joy in the welcome distraction of playing a game that they love. Well, I think for them during that hour and a, hour and a half period, and maybe it gave them a little bit of an escape from the things that's going on about, you know, within our community. But, um, you know, we had several kids out yesterday that were working and giving back and trying to help with those in need and it says a lot about their character. And these kids um, are really, really special, special people. And uh, it's just, I'm super proud of them, you know, on and off the floor. Beyond the recovery and the search, beyond the volunteers and the cleanup, beyond the science, Tuesday's storm is a story of people like Joshua, Aaron, and Sawyer Kimberlin, who lost their life Tuesday morning. Eastside Church of Christ preacher Philip Martin used to preach at Jerry Whitson, where Joshua used to attend. He said he met Joshua as a freshman in college. Josh came in as part of a group of young college kids that filled the space the congregation needed to take in its heart. Uh, they were young, they were enthusiastic, and uh, Josh was just tremendously kind and generous. In time, uh, as is normal for most college kids, the scruffy freshman figured out how to comb his hair in the correct direction. And he and Aaron started dating. Aaron was a former elementary school teacher in All Good. Terry and Dawson Curtis were two of those who lost their lives. Brian Williams remembers his friend as someone who was kind and selfless. I got to know all their children, including Dawson, and uh, you know, got to watch him grow up from uh, being very little, you know. And so, um, 
we got real close and uh they took us on our first cruise you know we'd never been on a cruise and so we went with them and they're, they're basically you know the curtises are just some of the best hearted people that that you'd ever meet and terry in particular you know terry would uh i know they have the saying get, get he would give the shirt off his back but he he literally would i mean he's just just one of the best human beings that you could ever meet and uh you know, Dawson, just one of the sweetest kids, you know, just a typical boy, love playing baseball, love boxing, you know, anything boy-related, four-wheeling, all that stuff, you know, just the sweetest little boy, man, and uh, it's just terrible what happened. It's just unreal. Bridget McCormick, sweet, spirited, just entering her teenage years. Bridget had gotten involved with the youth group at Sycamore Church of Christ. Kevin Donnelly is the youth and family minister at Sycamore. Uh, she inspired us and, and empowered us to uh, to do more and to and to really take the opportunities we had to get to know the people around us because she was somebody that was new and she didn't have any trouble going to total strangers and talking to us. And uh, she even approached several on the retreat that she didn't know and asked their name and got to talking. And so she really paid the way and set the example for us to. So, you know, we need to be that way to each other and, and, and talk and share and enjoy each other's company and, and get out of her comfort zone because uh, that's what she did. And uh, she's going she's gonna to be missed for sure. Jessica Clark fell victim to the Cookville tornado. She was the city hall receptionist at Cookville Town Hall for more than six years. City manager James Mills called her a dedicated worker. We're brokenhearted. I'm brokenhearted when I first heard the news. Um, um, it's crushed the city hall. Um, she was well liked, well respected. She had recently been promoted. Uh, they'd been moved uh, to the tax office, and she was super excited about that. I've never seen her smile as much, and uh, it was a well deserved promotion. She'd worked really, really hard for us, and uh, we're really going to miss her. And it really didn't, you know, sunk in. Um, I already miss seeing her there every day, and I know it's been devastating for her parents and her brother, and our thoughts and prayers go out to them, but we want everybody to know that Jessica will be missed, and we've been blessed. We were so blessed to even get to know her. Clark, also a member of the Putnam County Fair Board and one of the best canners in our region. Four-year-old Hattie Collins passed away Tuesday. Hattie's father, Matt Collins, is the youth minister at Collegeside Church of Christ. He's also on the Short Mountain Bible Camp Board of Directors. Board member Mark Williams said Dad was sure proud of Maddie. Hearing the loss that his family is suffering uh, really, really was heartbreaking for me. And I know the uh, pain that he and his family must be feeling, and my heart goes out to them during this time. So, um, of course, he's talked about how much he loves her. He talks about how much she meant to his family. Of course, he's mentioned that he felt like she was his little princess and that she meant the world to him. 34-year-old Amanda Cole lost her life Tuesday morning. She worked as a nanny and had a close relationship with Dawson Curtis, one of the other tornado victims. Amanda lost her life protecting Dawson from the storm, according to Derek Zuashkiani. There were several times where I would run into her uh, when I would be in town she was constantly by her side to the point where at one point I thought that was her son. Uh, and then she corrected me on it. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, she, she loved kids. Um, I think that she had a very special spot in her heart for, uh, for Dawson. And it's, uh, it's it's unbelievably heartbreaking to know that, uh, that they're both gone. It breaks my heart to know that 34 is, is so young and, and it's just, it's a, it's been a really tough week for everyone, and uh, I hate to know that the next time I, I come to Tennessee, I won't be able to see my friend. 67-year-old Patricia Lane used to be neighbors with Elizabeth Dawn at the Echo Valley Apartments. She was very kind and compassionate towards others. She liked to always help people and just bless them with things. She was always volunteering at her church and doing dinners and things whenever they would need uh, help. She would always help them. and. Many of the other people that lived in the apartments next to her, she got close to them also, and and she would give us all gifts for our children. So she just really liked to bless people. John Winthrop wrote, quote, We must delight in each other, make others' conditions our own, 
rejoice together, mourn together, labor, and suffer together, always having before our eyes our commission and community in the work, our community as members of the same body. March 3, 2020 will always be a day that the collective body of the Upper Cumberland will remember as a day of suffering, mourning, and coming together. A reminder that despite all, we are still one. Our thoughts with the families, mourning loved ones, and those still healing in hospitals. Thanks for being with us.